Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Nick Bond, the founding partner and head of product at Apex, which is an artificial intelligence-driven solution that measures customer experience. For this week, we're talking about how AI is kind of helping us deliver a better customer experience. It's not taking your job, honestly. <laughs> it's Thanks for downloading. Everyone hates chatbots, don't they? I think the number one question to a chatbot is, I want to speak with a human. And there's probably a few expletives in there, isn't it? Uh, To be fair, I don't think chatbots are particularly very intelligent, are they? But AI is kind of playing an interesting role, crunching data behind the scenes and giving us better indicators on how our customers feel about us. One of the companies in this field is Apex. So this week I'm chatting with Nick Bond, the founding partner and head of product. They use AI to kind of create a, an Apex score so folks can identify how aligned a brand is with the desires of their customer and then translate that into business and marketing strategies. Now, you can find Nick on LinkedIn, also on the Apex website. Check out the links in the show notes. Give him a tap. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free, so I'd love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app. Now, the first thing I asked Nick uh, was how AI is kind of helping us to deliver a better customer experience. Well, it's kind of like we were mentioning before we started recording here, John, you know, AI is really, I think, set up to enable a better, more human interaction Hmm. with brands and customers. Um, So, I mean, it's not going to replace people, but uh, it is going to enable those better interactions through things like more personalization and better personalization, uh, anticipation of what customers are looking for. So, uh, you know, we saw there's models and things that, uh, have been used in the past based on, you know, what do you like and what are your preferences? Mm. And you start to get served up different kind of Netflix videos, yeah. or different yeah. sort of uh, 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 recommendations on Amazon. But I think all of that is just going to get much better, much stronger as AI evolves and gets better. Um, so, yeah, there are all sorts of opportunities and it's going to be more around how this tool is applied uh, to create, again, those better, more human interactions and yeah. not really replacing people, right? Yeah, it's interesting that because kind of like when, as soon as you mention AI and particularly with customer service, the first thing mm-hmm. that, that comes into mind is chatbots, which are god awful yeah. things that just need to be <laughs> ended quickly. Um, but 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 you're you're kind of like to, are we talking about AI doing things in the background versus AI talking to us, or a bit of both? Well, I've seen I've absolutely seen both. Mm. Um, you know, uh, where it's a, uh, actual live customer service representative on the phone with somebody, for example, yeah, a lot of what they're seeing in front of them can be mined and elevated through AI. Uh, when you see chatbots, and you know, I've gone through the horrors of creating some of those uh, initial early version <laughs> chatbots, uh, with, uh, for companies and with, and with companies, um, yeah, you, all of it is sort of guesswork, right? Like, what yeah. kind of questions do we anticipate? What kind of yeah. answers do we think? The AI is going to make that all kind of better and slicker, so you're not having to ideate on a big whiteboard what we think the journey is going to be. It's just going to be able to anticipate and create a better one. So in that moment, you you may actually be chatting to a, what you'd consider to be a live AI uh, a chat bot, and it's probably going to be better. <laughs> do you think? Because, I mean... 
Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I read somewhere that the the number one question to a chat bot is, "I want to talk to a human." <laughs> it's like because like, you just can't get through what you want because it it doesn't it just but it, it, does that mean that the chatbots we're using at the moment aren't really intelligent? Well, they're getting more and more intelligent. I, I feel like it's still so nascent, right? Like this whole idea is still very much in its infancy, and for sure, it was horrible yeah. a few years ago. It's better now, and it's only going to get better two, three years from now. So. I've 100% I've been that guy and I'm sure you've been that guy being like put me to an agent right now please this isn't helping yeah but uh no there are absolutely I think it's 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 really only going to get better it only has one way to go we hope I hope or <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh or we're going to be screaming at more intelligent chatbots that's that's actually true that that could happen I think there's it's only going to be as good as the people that make it, and it's only going to yeah. be as good as the the sort of the, the the rules and guardrails we put around it to make it better. Um, yeah, yeah. The the, the one thing that, that I always find quite amusing is when people try and program in some sort of personality to the chatbot. That's just like, oh god, just. You oh. know what I don't like is when they uh, yeah. they give it some silly name. Yes. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the you know like the, Alexa. Uh, yeah. The telco person, and you can call me, you know, Brenda the AI. It's like, come on, I don't need a name for you. No, exactly. <laughs> I know yeah. you're a robot. Absolutely. We started talking about chatbots, but at Apex, you do you do something different to this thing. Explain a little bit about what you do, and then we'll, we'll chat about it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, with Apex, what we do is um, really try and uh, elevate what customers really desire from brands. Right. So we have integrated a lot of behavioral science knowledge uh, into our algorithm, and our algorithm is uh, AI-driven as well. Um, and what it does is it uses a predictive model to understand what is really driving loyal behaviors between customers and brands. Um, what are those feelings, those beliefs that are making people advocate for and use the brands in their lives? And how can brands do more of the things that people want and start you know, avoiding some of the landmines that are getting in the way? Uh, so our algorithm, our AI-driven algorithm, really does that work to elevate what are those emotional, attitudinal drivers behind loyalty mm. and what can we do about that? And then it goes a bit deeper. And then we have some text analysis. You mentioned that earlier as well yeah. uh, to start really getting into, okay, behind those emotions are what specific tactical operational things that you can do uh, as an organization. So. Um, yeah, it can get very strategic, but then also very specific. <laughs> yeah. How are we asking the questions? Our questions are asked. It's a very uh, a structured questionnaire that we use uh, as our initial assessment. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's just we ask the uh, we call them the symptoms of the attitudes. So, for example, uh, if a brand is uh, joyful to do business with or, or enjoyable, we say it's a brand that puts a smile in your face. Right. And we have these sort of. Uh, these lines, these symptoms of these expressions that we use all the way through this very quick survey. It takes only about 90 seconds to answer. Right. Uh, but with that initial assessment, we can glean a pile of data about that brand customer relationship and what, the, what needs to happen more. And then we start pulling in the unstructured text. And then we start <laughs> pulling in the CRM data. Hmm. Uh, we start pulling in behavioral data from, from their databases. And we can really start to design uh, some really strong next steps for what organizations need to really focus on um, and maybe avoid. 
and that yeah. goes for marketers and that goes for operations. There's really, there's really no part of the business that doesn't get deeply informed by the work that we do. So is the AI kind of creating the surveys for us or is it just kind of plowing through the data in the back end? Yeah, it's more in the algorithm. So mm. the surveys were developed. We, we worked uh, very closely with uh, some pretty high-level academics in Harvard, Columbia, and University of Toronto um, to come up with what the questions need to be. So they're standardized across all industries and all audiences for a right. very specific reason. Right. And that reason is simply that humans are humans. Uh, the things yeah. that motivate us really are the same things. We don't change yeah, yeah. that much. Um, really what it does, though, is it can take a small sample size and do some really interesting predictive work to elevate you know, okay, what's important for this brand and this audience? What do we need to look at? So that's where the AI really comes into handy for us. And then, of course, the, um, the text analytics side as well. So is it like a fixed survey? Can, can, can brands, can, I, can, can you like ask your own questions, do you think? Or, or is it better, I suppose it's better in a way sometimes for the brand not to ask the questions or not to think up the questions? It's, it's way better. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. so uh, functionally, so yes, we have our own kind of, again, couple of questions that we need to ask. Yeah. Uh, but then companies always want to ask their own as well to, to give it some, some more context that they have. So if they have a segmentation that they want to embed over the, over the answers to see how their target audience or their, you know, their, uh, their high end uh, segment that they've identified is answering, they can do that. If they want to break it down by specific regions or demographics that they look at, we certainly give them that opportunity as well. Uh, but our specific, um, our specific module is covered by our two questions. So once you've got the kind of like the surveys in, the, res the results of all these surveys in, you say you're pulling in data then from things like the CRM and presumably things mm -hmm. like maybe even social media stuff that's mm -hmm. going on and, and engagements in general with the brand. Um, how are you kind of putting this all together in the, in the background? Yeah, so we've got a dashboard that people log into, our clients log into, and they can see where everything's happening. So they can see their initial assessment from the survey. Uh, and then as well, when we start getting some of that other data so it could again to your point from social media or, or could be reviews mm. or could be uh, yeah. transcriptions from call center interactions yeah. even um, what's happening in those moments uh, we can take all that open-ended data and turn it into specific elements to say okay there are elements of your for example store navigation or your online uh, your online experience that are that are withholding the the you know some element maybe it's mm. The element of being uncomplicated in the journey that we need to start looking in on what does that look like so the unstructured gives us that and then from the crm data yeah you can start to get a sense of who these customers are the longevity start doing some uh, lifetime value calculations start seeing uh, how their apex score is uh, is attributed to their actual uh, spend behaviors uh, so we can do a lot of work with analytics once we start pulling in other customer data mm. and that's where both marketers and customer experience have had struggles, honestly, with, uh, yeah. with, with metrics is yeah. how does what I'm doing contribute to the business? Yes. Yeah. Once absolutely. we're able yeah. to, and I, I, I you know, I, I know that you've had those discussions with some of your other guests. Yeah. How then, if, if we're able to take some of these historically mushy concepts, right? Like emotions and, yeah. and attitudes and motivations, but then quantify them and now start to add a score to them. Yeah. Now we can do some really interesting work analytically to add value to them, to start comparing it to two things like revenues or two things like store traffic or, or whatever, the, whatever the core metrics might be. 
Um, and that's where it really starts to take off for our clients. Yeah, it is really difficult to, to measure marketing <laughs> engagements, oh, especially sure. when it's away from digital. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago who, who kind of like they, they dress up, they, they wrap buses and, and the buses drive around with all their, all their branding on. Right. All day long. How do you measure the ROI of a bus wrap? I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's did you see my bus? It's like, <laughs> you know, it's it's really difficult, isn't it, to do that? The the, the, the away from them. Um, do, do your surveys? Do, do what you do? Does it look at things away from online as well as online? Yeah. So the so one of the things that we do that's really interesting is that a lot, a lot of our clients are leaning into is using it before you go make the investment in in the wraps and the and the mm. buses and the billboards and things is the content and messaging you're producing even even moving the needle on some of those core attitudes that we described right. in the first place so they do so the apex surveys are really strong for pre-testing so is this doing what we need to on this concept of being uncomplicated or being authentic or whatever it is if yes then great and then on the far end because we treat it much like a uh a tracker that you can really hyper localize to certain areas, mm. then all of a sudden that we know, yeah, you know, that billboard, we seem to see some lift in this area, or maybe we don't because a billboard usually lives, you know, yeah. in the context of a bigger campaign. So, you know, the, the extent to which one specific thing uh, contributed is usually within context of a lot of things going on, but we are able to, through our tracking and localization, get a good sense of what is and isn't contributing to, uh, to the marketing efforts for sure. Yeah, I've just written location down on my, my notepaper because I'm thinking to myself, if you can do this locally, you can kind of, kind of like say, you know, if we just wrapped up all these buses in this city, we can then totally. look at that city's data, right? A hundred percent. And we do that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. So yeah. what sort of survey size do we need? I, I mean, hundreds, thousands? I mean, I, I mean, can the small business get involved in this or is this really for the big boys? No, I love that you asked that question. Mm. And actually, this is one of the reasons that we were excited to bring the AI model into our algorithm. Mm. Uh, you know, traditional statistics would have required many, many hundreds or thousands of people for this, yeah. what we're trying to do to work. Uh, we get it down to 50 people. Right. Um, and, and that can be highly, highly reliable data. Um, of course, the extent to which you can slice and dice that gets pretty limited. But if sure. we can get down and look at 50 people. So... Um, yes, yeah, startups lean into it hard in those cases. B2B is a big play for that because they don't have thousands and thousands of customers in a database. Yeah, yeah, they have yeah. maybe a few hundred. Um, and of course, yes, yeah, smaller businesses as well. So uh, a lot of our clients are bigger, um, but there is no structural reason that a lot of smaller companies can't use this, and a lot of them do as well. Yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, you could have a really big company and not have a particularly large database of leads or clients or things because the thing you sell might be worth a fortune right you, you know well, that's and, yeah that's it and that's the b2b play um yeah and it's really interesting on the b2b side honestly john like they there is always there's been for years this overarching idea that b2b is always you know run by procurement people it's what yeah. i'm paying for what i'm getting and i just grind down on price yeah but more and more we're starting to realize that they are also competing on customer experience and they are also competing on some of these motivational attitudinal you know emotional attributes yeah that are really at the at the core of why they keep getting their contracts renewed it's because of the relationship that they have that it's not b2b it's really h to h it's human to human yeah yeah and how can they leverage the types of things that we know to be true on the b2c side also on the b2b side 
and they're seeing some wonderful applications. And we talked about this idea of joyfulness. B2B is actually one of the one of the interesting categories and areas where joyfulness and an interaction is even higher than on the B2B, B2C side. Excuse right. Me. You know, it's because it's so personal. Yes. You, you know the person on the other end of the phone. You have built a relationship over a long time with them. It's a, it's a very interesting part of that, that equation. So, yeah, I, it, that, the applications on that side are, are huge, um, uh, as well as for yeah, any sort of mid-sized organization with a, with a decent customer base as well. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you only need to spend two minutes on LinkedIn to realize that there's, everybody's out there telling you you've got to be generating leads and leads and leads and leads. But if, totally. I mean, if you sell call centers, for example, you, you yeah. really don't want 1,000 leads a month, and you're not going to get 1,000 leads in a month. No. No, no you don't. No. no, you don't. And, and you know, the other interesting thing that we do is we look at people who are, yes, current customers, but we also look at people who are prospects. Yeah. So if yeah. you have leads and you don't know why they're not converting, we can tell you with some precision why they're not converting. Um, that's one of, the, that's one of the, uh, the strong applications of the tool as well. So you mentioned Apex Score. That sounds cool. I like yeah. I like numbers. I, I can imagine kind of like all this data in some sort of spreadsheet or something, and you're giving that to a marketer, and they just like eyes glaze over, and it's like totally, yeah, totally you know, can't be done with that. So a score sounds good. Explain to me kind of what it is and and how it how it works. Yeah, no, that's cool. the The score is a really important number. And it is the extent to which you're delivering the type of experience your audience, hmm. usually customers, are seeking. So if you are doing well as an organization on any of those 16 elements that they describe as critically important to their loyalty, if you're doing well on any of those things, your score will go up. If you are missing the mark on some of those critical elements, though, your score will go down. And it becomes a really important thing to track through time. Right. It tracks kind of close. So if you're, some, if you're an organization that tracks things like Net Promoter Score, yeah. you will see the Apex Score and the Net Promoter Score kind of go up and down in the same way. Uh, but what Apex does is it pulls back all the layers and lets you see exactly why the movements are happening, where you're winning, where you're, where you're not, and where customer expectations are actually evolving over time because of competitors or because of maybe expectations you yourself have set, um, that how, how this relationship is evolving. And so some of our clients are actually using it to unpack their NPS scores. Hmm. They're not like saying, you know, NPS is embedded for all sorts of non-customer-centric reasons in our organization, yeah. like evaluations and bonuses and all like yeah. NPS isn't going anywhere, but we need a way to pull it apart and understand really why it's moving the way it is from the lens of the customer. So we can actually start to impact it in more meaningful ways than, you know, bonus seeking. Um, and I think that's where Apex and NPS and other metrics like that have really started to find a groove together mm. where it's not like this or that it's this and that, but when you add this layer, you're getting so much deeper. You're getting such a depth of knowledge that's really from the, the lens of your customers. So, um, so yeah, that's what the score does, though. It's, 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 it's a, basically a, a, a reflection of their strength of the relationship today and what's driving it. Now, whenever you give marketers a number, mm. a score or something, then that becomes important, the score becomes important how do you kind yeah. of get over this fact that because i'm i'm thinking to myself oh i've dropped two points in my apex score i've now got a, but that might not actually be a totally bad thing right well it, it depends mm. right if, if what's driving well, that yeah. is the is the fact that 
customer expectations have rapidly changed. And we see this actually on, um, we, we work with a lot of uh, fintech organizations and when things like Apple Pay come in and change yeah. how people even pay for goods, that's a really yeah. different new innovative thing. So customer expectations evolve very quickly because of that. Yeah. So yeah, and so people learn very quickly with Apex that the score matters, but really the score matters in terms of quantifying what's happening and doing some of that attribution modeling we were describing. But what really matters to the the practitioners in marketing and in CX is why. Yeah. What is underneath this that's evolving that I need to pay attention to? And what do we think here is is an important thing that is that is going to require attention? And what is maybe a seasonal thing? Because I have I have this understanding in my business of what what goes up and down. So yeah. Yeah. the people that actually use Apex don't spend as much time with the score itself so much sure. as all those details underneath it, because that's where all the value is. Yeah, I, I was kind of like thinking in my head that that god awful DA score, domain authority score, that that I think it was Moz created themselves, and then it slowly worked its way into folklore, and now it's the Google DA score, and it's Gosh. Google's domain authority, and you've and I hear so many people just chasing a score, right, right for no just just to get the number higher, just to get the number higher, and that's. Yeah. That's what NPS has become in yeah. so many yeah. organizations is, and then you start to see the people gaming NPS, right? They start to, yeah. you know, uh, stack the, stack the customers that they're talking to in their favor. They start to take out any of the really disgruntled people all because it's been tied. The, the, the metric has become a target and it's become yes. instead of a way to reflect what's going on with this, with our customer experience, what do I need to do to improve it? It's just yeah. become a target. Yes. Um, and that creates a whole bunch of bad behaviors. Yeah, uh, yeah. With us, because we, yes, we have a score because we need a score to do, to quantify some of the things we're talking about. Sure. But we never walk in score first. We walk in with these attitudes in hand and say, if you really care about building a better customer experience, if you really care about building marketing that works, this is what you need to be doing. The fact we have a score is is a necessary output of this type of analytical work, but it's not the value of Apex, and people get that very quickly. And 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 we we haven't run into the score as a target issue that NPS has hmm. in the same way at all, because NPS really only has the score. There is very little else to provide value to NPS unless you start packing it with a bunch of other add-ons that you see a lot of companies coming out with. Yeah. Is the score updated in real time or, or is it kind of like a daily, hourly? What, how, how do we see, when do we see a change? That's a good question. So it depends on how and when it's being um, used by a specific client. We have some that are only tracking it uh, three, four times a year and that's how frequently they want it and that works right. for them. Yeah. Uh, we have others that use it at the end of a, like their post-experience survey, so say after a flight. They'll right. include uh, some of our Apex questions after after in that survey. And then that actually does get updated very quickly. How often they want to roll it up and look at it is, again, client preference. Uh, we don't have many that want to look at it in real time uh, because they can't activate that much in real time. Like, it's less yeah. useful to them. Yeah, they, yeah. they actually, and they can't even consume data that quickly. Uh, yes. While we could, they don't want it. What they What they mostly prefer is monthly or quarterly kind of roll-ups, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I was yeah, thinking no, that because I was thinking yeah. I was thinking to myself we sat there, you know, they all sat there refreshing the, the browser every 5 minutes to right. see if my score's gone up or something, but it's not that type of a score. 
no, that's it. And exactly, if 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 you're really focused on your score going up, and again, the score being just a target, then yeah, I guess that would make some sense. But if you are like most of our clients who are really more focused on creating better customer experiences, doing more effective marketing, they will look at it as frequently as they're able to activate against some of those things. Now, some digital platforms are real time and do move quickly mm. and we can move and do move quickly on those. Mm. Uh, but for many others, if we're talking about, you know, uh, piloting a new store, <laughs> yeah, concept, show, show. or yeah. we're talking about, um, uh, call center adjustments, we're talking about new campaigns. These things take a little bit of time to get legs in market and they yeah, sort of look yeah. at it at that cadence. So uh, we we respond to the needs of our clients really and most of them are sort of at that monthly or quarterly look right now. Yeah, it's nice to hear, hear of kind of like AI being used in the background because everything we hear about AI is kind of like, you know, push to the front. It's going to be taking your job. It's going to be talking right. to you. It's going to be doing all these things. But it's. I, I, do, do you think that the the biggest advantage of all this AI is going to be the stuff we don't see in the background? I think so. I, there's going to be. There's. I have a hard time thinking that there's ever going to be a replacement for a smart person to do smart things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in any organization. Yeah. Now, that person's ability to do smarter things quicker. Yes will be Absolutely. enhanced by AI. And yeah. I think when people say, you know, you know, robots are going to take my job, that's not true. Yeah. Um, people who know how to use the robots might, though. Yes. <laughs> so the people who are doing those smarter things faster, yeah. those are going to be the people that are, that are winning. So it's like, but it's, in this case, John, we're talking about any, any practitioner using any tool. Yeah, of course you uh, are. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, I mean, if you were, uh, you know, a, a a contractor yeah. that didn't know how to use a screwdriver, yeah. you're probably going to lose your job to the person that knows how to use a screwdriver. Hey, look, I always, always, I always say the hunter-gatherer right was really pissed off when somebody invented a fence. Yeah, perfect. You know, they, a fence to keep the animals in place. All the hunter-gatherers of the world were redundant. Totally, totally. <laughs> and so it'll be, it'll be much the same thing. There are yeah. going to be... Yeah designers and copywriters and marketers and, yeah. and, 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 you know, uh, customer service people that if you don't learn how to use these tools and put them to your, put them to work for you in a way that makes yeah. the customer experience better, you will fall behind. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's, that's, that's more the sort of the, uh, the takeaway here is just stay up on it, learn it, think about how it can start to make your customer experience better. Sure. Um, uh, but don't stop being, or you know, thinking that you will not add value as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. is that is absolutely not true. No, so no. fascinating, Nick. Uh, chat for ages on this. Um, where can we find you? Where can we find Apex and and where's your social media and that? Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, so for sure, everybody, you know, you can head down to ApexScore.ai is our main website. Uh, one of the things we've actually made available to your listeners is something that we do with all of our clients, which is a self assessment uh, cool. that that can be done. Uh, just to see where you're at, identify a few concrete opportunities to build better customer mm. centricity into your CX and marketing. And again, adding that value across the organization. So, you know, if we'll provide the link uh, in the show notes as well for that. Um, but just uh, again, if you want to spend a couple of minutes just hitting that up and just saying, hey, where, where am I at? What are my opportunities yeah. out of yeah. the gate? Yeah, for sure. Always a great thing uh, to do there. And then, of course, you can find us um, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Apex Scoring System. And uh, me, Nick. I'm Nick Bond. I'm I'm on LinkedIn and always ready to chat as well. 
Fantastic. Those links will go in the show notes so folks can just tap them. Brilliant. Um, Perfect. Thank you, John. Nick, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks to Nick for his time. Don't forget to check out all the links in the show notes. Give him a quick tap. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.